Hello, and welcome to episode two of Geekly, 20 Years of Hearts. I'm Brad. And I'm Kayla. And we're here with our guest, uh, Lady Rain. Hi. So uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started on this episode, Rain. Uh, okay, this is the part that I hate most. Um, I'm <laughs> a stay-at-home mom, and I stream uh mostly kingdom Hearts stuff i hang out and watch a lot of speedrunners but i don't speedrun i mainly just do trophy hunts and like some casual challenge stuff um but that's honestly about it i play some other things just not very frequently <laughs> what kind of um runs do you typically do like what kind of challenges do you like to do um I primarily do stuff that's needed for trophy hunting. Um, I haven't really done much more outside of that. So uh, I have done like the higher difficulty runs. I When I was doing the Pro Codes trophy, I played Kingdom Hearts 3 with all of the Pro Codes, which is just heavy, heavy restrictions. They take away a lot of utility. Um, and right now I am doing Proud Level 1 on Kingdom Hearts Final Mix. Which apparently is the hardest level one to do, but I didn't know that, so it's my first one. As we stated earlier, today is a uh, a very special podcast uh, celebrating 20 years of the Kingdom Hearts franchise, um, and we're going to kick off just a little bit for those that aren't familiar with the franchise. Um, just a little short history of Kingdom Hearts, when it started, and kind of how the franchise has evolved, and how many games we've seen since then. It so, uh, Kayla, I'll let you take away the history. So the first Kingdom Hearts game was released on March 28, 2002, and there are 13 games in the franchise right now, which is a pretty important number to the franchise, so it's kind of cool that that's where they're at right now. Um, and then as of October 2021, they have shipped more than 35 million copies, which I thought was pretty cool. That that's a big number. I mean, that's that's pretty good for for an action JRPG series too. Um, right. So that's those are some great numbers. Um, and it really is hard to believe that there's 13 games already. Um, seeming that um, there's only three mainline games and a bunch of canon spinoffs. So think about that. There's 10 spinoffs, canon spinoffs. But, but those spinoffs are so important to the storyline. Like it's kind of hard to even consider them spinoffs just because they're not like on a platform itself. But um, that was really smart of them to move a lot of those, like the handheld games and stuff, to PlayStation and whatnot. Yeah, and it, it is. Stuff. So if you if you think there's a uh, if you think there's a important, and we're we're even talking the mobile games. The mobile games are canon and are story critical. So if you're looking to get into the Kingdom Hearts franchise, just know that the answer is you have to play all of them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you have to play them again because you're not going to understand the story the first time. <laughs> But at least you'll be having fun. Yes. Um, so I guess now we'll kind of go in for a little bit as the three of us have uh, been uh, fans of it uh, since it came out. So we'll kind of talk about how we started on Kingdom Hearts and just kind of get into that. So uh, Lady Rain, why don't you go ahead and uh, take us off? How did you uh, get started into Kingdom Hearts? Uh, well, I got started on Kingdom Hearts. Um probably give or take about the time that I was 10 or 11 because it released in Japan in March 2002, but the North American release was September 2002. Uh, so around Christmas that year, my dad actually got it for my brother for the PS2. And my brother played it a little bit and I used to watch my brother play games. Um, 
but it was not something he was super into. He got it for my brother because my brother loves Final Fantasy VIII, which I know will make Kayla happy. Uh, and he saw Final Fantasy, so he was like, oh, well, I'll get this for my son. Uh, but then my brother was not very much into it. So I started playing it instead because I was like 11 years old and thought Sora was just the biggest cutie in the world. Um, and I enjoyed it, but I got to like the first part um, in Destiny Islands where you actually have to figure out how to move forward and it doesn't like tell you. And my brother didn't know because he wasn't super interested, so he couldn't help me. Uh, so then I just kind of dropped it and my parents were separated so I could only play at my dad's on the weekends anyway. A couple of years later, when Chain of Memories came out for the Game Boy Advance, um, the Game Boy Advance and Chain of Memories were my Christmas present. So I went back to playing the first game while I was playing Chain of Memories. And since Chain of Memories was handheld, I was able to take it to my mom's and I played both of them simultaneously. But Chain of Memories is actually the first one that I beat. And then I made a point to beat the first game my dad was so excited that I'd beaten it that he made me beat it again when he got home so he could watch me that night. <laughs> and since then, um, while I was growing up, my dad would always get me the newest Kingdom Hearts game and the system that it was on as a Christmas gift each time it happened. That is seriously the cutest story ever. Oh, yeah, that I, is. I love it. Mine sounds so lame compared to yours now. Oh, no, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I seriously, like... You know, my little Grinch heart was, like, growing as you were telling this story. That was adorable. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I love it. All right, Kayla, so how did you end up getting into Kingdom Hearts? Well, like I said, mine's definitely not as inspirational. Um, I was 14 when I finally got into it. Um, I kind of went through that teenage phase of, like, I'm too cool for Disney, and the idea of... Final Fantasy, which I was obsessed with at the time, characters and um, Disney characters interacting, it just made no sense to me. Like, I could not imagine it working. I was very teenager, rebellion, upset with it. Like, oh, this is stupid. So You're I... Final Fantasy purists. I was. At, like, 12, 13 years old, I was so anti-Disney. I was just so mad. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> One day, um, we went to Blockbuster as a family, and for those, you know, under the age of 20 that are listening, Blockbuster used to be the store where you could go and rent movies and um, video games in person, wild concept, <laughs> but it existed. Yeah, and, just like um, they sold VHSs at the time, too. <laughs> yeah, and there were VHSs there when I was looking at Kingdom Hearts. That's how old this game is. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, so it was my turn to pick for the weekend. Cause you know, the, me and my sister and my brother, we'd each get a weekend. We could choose a game. And it was just one of those things where I was like, I guess I'll, I'll try it. And I sucked it up and then I played it. And ever since then I have like hardly ever missed a day one, um, sale of it or anything like I instantly I've just became obsessed it's my favorite thing I don't know how they were able to make Disney and Final Fantasy characters work but they did it and I've played the game 83,000 times ever since then I freaking I just love it well that is uh <laughs> That is uh that's a like I said story. it's not inspirational but <laughs> I was trying to be nice, Kayla. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It was. 
It's still a fun story, though. It's it's a, a great bored, a bored teenager on a hey. weekend. That's my story. Hey, <laughs> it changed my life. It changed hey, my life. Hey, well, it's sweet because you were able to pick it up kids. during like a family time. Yeah, I mean, granted, my brother and sister were mad because it was one player, but you know what? Screw them. It's fine. <laughs> I enjoyed it, and that's what mattered. <laughs> yeah. It's the only thing that matters. As long as Kayla happy, the world is in balance. Yes. Alright, well, I guess I'll go ahead and kick off my story. So, mine is also not inspirational uh, in the least bit, so um, basically, I discovered it, I think it was like a maybe a year or two after it came out. Um, my parents, every once in a while, go to Best Buy, and every once in a while, they let us pick out like a $20 game. Um, cause you know, we couldn't afford like $50 games at the time. So, um, I was browsing the shelves at Best Buy and so the greatest hits copy was on the shelf and I saw, you know, picture, you know, the cover art, you know, you had Sora, Riku, Donald and Goofy on there. I'm like, Oh, what's this? Like, what are Donald and Goofy doing on here? And I'm looking at the back and like reading the description and I see like Cerberus, you know, is one of the pictures on the background. I'm like, man, this game looks cool. There's like Disney characters and stuff. And I'm like, I was like 10. So I like, I was like. I bought it and uh, well, my parents bought it for me. And so I, I took it home and I was, I was like hooked. Uh, it was really good, but it was also the first like non Pokemon RPG I ever played. And let me tell you, I was so bad at it. Like I got through, <laughs> um, I didn't know that you got Keyblades and you could like change out stats. And I didn't understand any of the AP points. I didn't understand that you could equip Keyblades or anything. I was like rocking the kingdom key through the Monstro. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. And because like I didn't know you could change like key, I didn't understand anything about how this art. So there was some someone in the neighborhood also had it, and he was like, "Yeah, like you can you get new keys." And I was like, "Really, you do?" And I didn't know that there was the little keychain icon thing. Like I thought like it would tell me I had a weapon and show me like this big old picture or something like that. And I guess I always overlooked it. So he was like, "Because I was struggling on the the second fight with that cage in the monster oh, PC too, yeah." Yeah, I was getting wiped out because all I had was a little kingdom key. Um, so finally, I think he told me about the pumpkin head, and I used the pumpkin head, and I wiped the guy out real quick. And then I got through most of the game uh, on my first try. I think I I struggled with Dragon Maleficent. I struggled with the second Possessed Riku fight. And I finally got to the final boss. Like I actually got to the world that never was. Or the not the world that never was, the end of the world. I'm sorry. Um, and I got to the Ansem fight, and I could never beat it. Like, I couldn't even get to Ansem's ship. Like, it would always be the fight where uh, Sora has to go fight Ansem solo, and he has, like, the Guardian. So, like, when Darkseid is, like, his Guardian, like, he would just wipe me out all the time. I could never do it, and I was, like, so underleveled. So I get mad, and I think I quit. And then I went... <laughs> I'm sorry? I was just... You, I heard the way you said, like, I think I quit, and I just kind of giggled a little bit, because you just sound so resigned. <laughs> yeah. Um and then I went back to it when I heard about Kingdom Hearts 2 coming out and so I went back and tried to beat it again and I got as far as Ansem's ship but like I still wasn't leveled enough for it. So I think I went back and grinded like hardcore grinded and then finally beat the game and then um I played Kingdom Hearts 2 after that. I didn't know that Chain of Memories, which I had seen the commercials for, was a uh actual canonically uh relevant game and so i had no idea what the hell was going on in kingdom hearts 2 but that's yeah. kind of like my boring story so 
Well, that's actually pretty impressive that you were able to get that far with the Kingdom Key without knowing, because on PS2, yeah, seriously. it wasn't beginner, normal, and proud. It was just standard and expert. And even if you were playing on standard, like on PS2, that was, that, I mean, that was still pretty challenging without a beginner mode or anything. I was going to say, that's like technically a challenge in itself that yeah. people this to this day do um, mm -hmm. on streams and stuff. Is, actually the whole game. Picture. There oh, is. is it? It's called Unchanging Armor, and you get the trophy for not changing a single piece of equipment for Sora, Donald, or Goofy, or any party members throughout the entire game. So, the Kingdom Key run, that is, there's like level one uh, Kingdom Key runs where people will do level one on um, Proud, but um, Unchanging Armor is a trophy that you have to complete for the Platinum. Oh my gosh. I will never, I platinumed Kingdom Hearts 3, and that is like the only one I will ever be able to platinum, because you didn't need to do a difficulty level. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely yeah. the easiest one and the smoothest. Yeah, that's that's yes. probably the only one I would platinum. I haven't platinumed any of them, but I would. The Kingdom Hearts 3 would be the one that I would go back and get the plat for. The The final mixes, like when I saw the trophy list, I was like, no. And they don't even stack the difficulties on the PS3 version. Like, you had to play the game like three or four times, mm -hmm. which is brutal. Um, but yeah, I have no idea how I made it that far. Seeming that I wasn't good video games to begin with so um it is nothing short of a miracle or the fact that i formed <laughs> cure like every two seconds but <laughs> and leaf bracer didn't exist on the ps2 either so that's even more yeah. impressive. god leaf bracer say, godsend on final mix it must have blown your mind too when you finally learned you could like equip items and stuff like that to your characters too oh it did i thought like <laughs> i I was like blown. I was like, wait, you can do stuff like you can upgrade. Stuff. <laughs> like you can customize stats. Like I was like in heaven. So I was like going around through and all of a sudden, like the rest of the game was uh, moderately easier up until Hall of Bastion. That's so funny. So yeah, it, it was, it was a trip. So, um, right, so what are y'all's uh, favorite Kingdom Hearts games? Um, you can well, go first, Rain. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I waited You're a fine. beat and I was like, oh, no, no one's yeah, talking. Perfect. I should have shut up. Okay. No, but yeah, go ahead. Um, so most people will pretty much um, immediately, for the most part, know what my answer to this is. And my answer has been the same for a few years, but I have thought about it quite recently as I've been going back and replaying um, and kind of looking back on the series. My favorite game uh, up until kind of recently has always hands down been Chain of Memories and Rechain of Memories, and I do love them. Um, but looking back on it now, I think Chain of Memories and Rechain of Memories are my favorite experiences. Uh, but my favorite individual game is probably Kingdom Hearts 3, just because it is the most comfortable to pick up and put down at any given point in time. It is the most uh, cozy and to just enjoy on a casual level without really having to be very attentive so it's probably my favorite and it pulls so many threads together and it gave me a lot of emotional validation <laughs> um but but so chain of memories and rechain is definitely my favorite experience but my favorite game like just as a as a game is probably kingdom hearts 3 huh that is a uh i'm I'm impressed to hear the change because we, we we knew that you uh, you, are, <laughs> yeah. you are the chain of memory stand. No, and I am, and and I think like if I hadn't thought about it in that frame of mind of game versus experience, that I would still say chain of memories. But just looking back on it, uh, I just 
Kingdom Hearts 3 is the one that I have the most fun with as a video game. So I would have to say that one is my favorite game, even if it's not the favorite, even even if it's not my favorite, uh, like first time playthrough experience that I had. Kayla, what's uh, what's your favorite? And um, yeah, mine's a boring favorite. It's just Kingdom Hearts two, like almost everyone else. But <laughs> um, I just really like that one a lot. But I also really love um, Dream Drop Distance. Um, that's probably my second favorite one but it's really high up there i had so much fun with that one all right so i'm also uh i'm also a basic uh kingdom hearts fan and kingdom hearts 2 ended up being my favorite as well there was just something about it that i loved and i think what sold it for me too was in addition to the worlds and the uh i think the combat sold it on on me a lot i really liked what they did with the sequel like it improved a lot on the first um from every from the get-go and i think i just love dual keyblades like i loved the drive system to death and i used to have a blast with it grinding it out um i i just i don't know what it was but i just enjoyed everything about it it just i don't know to me it was like a top tier sequel and it just i was obsessed with it for two and a half weeks i think i stayed up to like 3 a.m as like a 12 year old um <laughs> like beating it and i wasn't supposed to it was probably on a school night and i didn't care it was like i was going out beating Zemnis at like 2 a.m. and I was like I didn't even care and then you know the credits would always forgot at the end of a Kingdom Hearts game the game just kind of ends and then <laughs> you can't do anything like you click out of the screen like there's no like and it just goes back to right before the final boss and then you can just go back and do stuff but I remember at the time I'm like when is this stat screen gonna disappear but <laughs> um I was 12 year old me all right as we continue our celebration of Kingdom Hearts um, we'd love to share what, uh, some of our fans, uh, online think Kingdom Hearts means to them. So, uh, our first one comes from Seed Mercenary Tamaki at Tamaki Weekly. He says, always love Disney and always loved Final Fantasy. For me to see a bunch of my favorite characters come together and actually talk to each other was a highlight. Anything was possible every time we visit a new world. The magic of Disney and the fantasy of Square Enix in one which it is true. It's, it really is a magical journey and it's, it feels like a love letter with, with basically three different franchises molded into one, the original kingdom Hearts stuff. And then you have the love for final fantasy and Disney. So that's very beautiful. We have another comment. Um, Mr. Underscore Mojo uh, at oblivion oath 11. Love those keyblades. It's the fact that it can be a dress Oh, sorry. It's the fact that it can address such heavy interpersonal and philosophical topics like existentialism, self-empowerment, self-actualization, solipsism, etc. with a semi-familiar wonder magic setting that makes it incredible to me. The fact that years later, it still hits. Plus, the fact that Mickey Mouse is a fucking wizard ninja with the power to do almost anything just fucking rules <laughs> so uh, thank you mr mojo yes those are i think that one was very deep and we all do appreciate that uh mickey mouse is a uh, fucking wizard ninja i think we all yeah that, but i i had replied to him and told him that i was very surprised they could make mickey mouse as badass as they did but they did it yeah they did they uh they really pulled tops with um and even going off his uh, his his point there, I do think it 
that some of the themes are really deep, especially when it comes to um, existentialism, which is, you know, the idea of like, you know, understanding existence and all of that. It, it reminds mm-hmm. me how tragic the nobodies are, you know, how they to do was exist and they just wanted hearts yeah. and emotions. Um, and, you know, that was pretty deep, you know, like you always felt kind of bad for the, for the nobodies. Right. Um, so I think that's um, really beautiful. And um, the franchise has touched people, I think in so many ways, including the three of us, as we've kind of gushed about it a little bit. I mean, I think for me, it was, I don't know. It was just beautiful seeing not only just these franchises come together, but you know, we get into the stuff with the power of friendship and all that other stuff, but it, like, it's about overcoming odds too, you know, like in the first one, like Sora gets a keyblade, but then like, you know, you get to Hall of Bastion and Riku's all like, you weren't the chosen one, I was. People know that too, you even learned that in Burst by Sleep that Sora wasn't even supposed to have um, the mark of the keyblade and stuff like that, but he was able to kind of over overcome those odds and, and win back the keyblade and do all that stuff. And he's constantly, you know, looking out for his friends and, and pushing himself to new limits and I don't know. He's just a good kid. You know, it's just kind of neat. You you know, you look at that and you're like, man, I'd like to be like that. You know, you like the character growth and, and, and the journey. And I think there's just something beautiful about that. I think he resonates with a lot of fans as well, because not only is he an underdog, especially compared to like Riku. Um, and he's always been that way. I mean, they show it to you um, with him racing and fighting against Riku on the Island and stuff like that, that, Riku he's always second best to Riku um so I think a lot of people resonate with Sora being the underdog and then also being so optimistic at the same time he's like yeah you know I might be second best to Riku but I'm still gonna try my heart out and you know that means a lot to people that are also underdogs themselves I wholeheartedly agree it's it's a beautiful underdog story you know and a lot of us have felt like dogs at some point and it definitely resonates with the rest of us um lady rain do you have anything to uh to add to that kind of what it really impacts you means to you um i think as a kid it was just that it was very magical um and because i was playing the first game in chain of memories simultaneously but i beat chain of memories first I more so saw Sora's journey to save Namine was my primary, like, focal point uh, before anything else. And his journey to, like, save Namine and then realizing, like, it was really to save Kairi. And then going back and beating the first game and seeing, like, him and Kairi separate at the end of the first game and Kairi go back through the secret place. It was just very romantic. And, of course, meet, like, little... 13 14 year old me however how whatever age i happen to have been um seeing both of those being like oh he thought he was going to like save someone very important to him it turned out it wasn't who it was but then he was still so kind to nominee and he was still like you know you should still be my friend i still want to protect you i still want you to be safe but i don't want to forget those who i care about and then going back and beating the first game and seeing how he cares for nominee it was just, it was very much, to me at the time, it was, that was my notion of what love could be. That was my notion Aww. of, you know, romanticism and and just the magic of having, like, a beautiful, like, someone you care about that much. And it's, that was pretty much the only thing I kind of stuck to. And then, of course, as the games go on, g- went on, and, like, there was more 
with Kingdom Hearts 2, it was between Sora and Riku and like the themes of friendships and Kairi going to 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 get Sora back and then in Birth by Sleep, um, which was like 2010, 2011-ish, it was pretty much just about friends and the same themes kind of held true. Terra went, you know, to go do what he thought was right and to explore worlds. Ven went to go get him back and bring him home. The same way that Sora goes to go get Kairi back and bring him home. And then Riku after the events of Chain of Memories throughout Kingdom Hearts 2. It's consistently about going and getting the people that mean something to you and, and getting and creating connections along the way. And that at its core means so much to me because the entire reason I ended up meeting my husband was because I went into a GameStop to pre-order Kingdom Hearts. And then I was like, hey, I want to apply because 1.5 Final Remix is coming out on PS3. And I got the job. Because I got that job, I was able to transfer to another store. And that's where I met Connor, was working at that store. If it wasn't for the fact that I loved Kingdom Hearts so much and I wanted to pre-order it, I wouldn't have gotten the job. I wouldn't have moved up here. I wouldn't have met Connor, who's now my husband, and I wouldn't have my daughter. It literally oh my led gosh. me. Oh, that's so adorable. <laughs> Jesus, you're going to make us. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's just, it wouldn't, those connections mean so much to me because oh. it's the reason that I have the life that I have now. That's. Oh, my God. Kingdom Hearts yeah. is literally like the light of your life. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and as we all know, you can't talk about Kingdom Hearts without talking about the worlds. They're obviously very important for the storyline, and everybody's got their favorite. So, uh, Rain, why don't you go ahead and let us know what your uh, favorite world or worlds are? Um, my favorite worlds are, and this actually goes back. I'm super glad that you said you really like Dream Drop Distance because I feel like it's uh, underrated and overhated. My favorite worlds <laughs> are expanded. Yeah, because it's a ball of fun. You just have to have fun it with is. it. Uh, my favorite worlds are the expanded um, version of Traverse Town, and then even more than that, expanded the world that never was from Dream Drop Distance. And just the utilization of the environment and the stylization of it, and especially with the world that never was, the aesthetic. Um, but then in Traverse Town, of course, you have like the whole plaza, and you have like the, the garden area. What's it called? The greenhouse. Um, but yeah. especially the world that never was, uh, just how open and how much more they are. Like you can see that there's more to these areas and those are just, they're my absolute favorite. I think they were very, very cool to bring them back. I think it was really great to open up new segments of those areas. And I'm just very glad that they did it and that they didn't rehash the areas we already had. It's actually really interesting that your favorite worlds are, um, they're not like Disney worlds or anything. They're actually meant for Kingdom Hearts itself. You know, that's interesting. Um, yeah, it's funny that you say uh, the, uh, that never was was one of your favorites because it's uh, also ended up being one of my favorites. I really loved the uh, the city aesthetic of it. And yeah, Dream Drop Distance, I loved how they expanded upon it too um, from the limited version that we kind of got in Kingdom Hearts 2 where it's like you got a couple cool parts of the city and stuff like that. Then you kind of went kind of into the castle and then kind of ramped up from there um and then another one of my favorites i think would be toy box from kingdom hearts 3 um that ended up being my favorite world in that specific game and probably one of my favorite worlds ever i loved being in andy's room and then going to the toy store 
Um, and I thought that world was really well built out. I loved the toy Heartless. And I just, I don't know, it was really cool. And I think part of it is I'm just a really huge Toy Story fan. Like they're my favorite Pixar movies. Um, I think I also enjoyed the Monsters, Inc. one as well. Like I, I thought that the Pixar worlds that they finally integrated in three were really well done. Um, so those definitely made it into the top um, of mine. Uh, Kayla, what about you? Yeah, I'm generic as fuck, and uh, <laughs> The Nightmare Before Christmas is probably my favorite world. Um, I like it in both of them. Um, I also really love the Pirates of the Caribbean worlds. I was really obsessed with how uh, vast it was in 3. Um, and then I really love Hollow Bastion, too, but that's probably because that's like where the Final Fantasy characters like to hang out at. Um, so, you know, it's where Liam there to simp on Advent children, uh, Cloud and Sephiroth. <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's be real. That's, that's what got me started. So that's my, 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 uh, crazy guys with big swords. <laughs> Priorities. Yes. Exactly. Kayla has a type. Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> All right. And I think one of the most critical parts and something you cannot uh, celebrate Kingdom Hearts without is is its banging soundtrack. You yes. know, Kingdom Hearts has some of the best music ever, and part of the reason for that is, um, is it is it Hikaru Utada? Is that a first name? Uh, depending on like cultural references, for us it would be Utada Hikaru, um, but I think in Japan they would say Ikaru Utada because typically they do last names first as like a formality. Okay, um, well they are. Um, a big part of the reason uh, that Kingdom Hearts has part of the uh, most banging soundtrack, uh, their hit Simple and Clean just in the first one was just, it absolutely slapped. And they kept making just hit after hit for each game. Um, so with that being said, uh, with Utada having a very big influence over their, uh, the music and all of that, uh, who's got their, what, what's everyone's favorite Utada song? Um, it is a tough tie between Face My Fears and Don't Think Twice. Oh it's absolutely gosh. between no, those two. No, me too. But it's, it's like every time I hear one, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I like this one. And then I hear the other and I'm like, ah, you, never mind, never mind. And I, it like, it's difficult to choose just one because both of them have such impactful meanings for their place at the beginning and at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. I do absolutely... Like, I think musically, um, love Face My Fears more, but thematically, I think I love Don't Think Twice more. So I, it's, it's between those two, for sure. It's a tough, it's a tough choice to do those. I mean, here's the thing too. They're all bangers too. Like there's no wrong answer too. Yeah, no, every single one's just, yeah. Um, Kayla, what about you? No, seriously, it's. Uh, between Face My Fears and Don't Think Twice, like, I can't pick either because, like, I even have it written down in my little notes, Face My Fears slash Don't Think Twice because I can't pick. Like, Rain said, they're just, they're just, I don't know, they just both sound really good. And when you actually listen to the lyrics, um, the lyrics are just really impactful, especially to the story. Like, it makes me so mad that we haven't gotten our Sora and Kyrie kiss yet when I listen to those lyrics. <laughs> but... I don't know. I just, um, 
But then passions. I also really love passions too. And sanctuary. I can't pick. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I um I think mine is probably the most basic answer. Simple and clean is just always been my favorite. And it was hard. Like you guys said, face my fears is I mean, it's deep. Like it is really impactful. But I think in addition to Simple and Clean being just a really good song, I think it's just very nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. it's very iconic too. It is. Because like that that opening sequence for the first game is just something that you do not forget after you've seen it for the first time. No, it it, it, it is. It sticks with you. And I, I've loved every rendition of it. Even the by sleep like really hit me hard too when I first opened by sleep because you know birth by sleep is a tragedy and you're just seeing both and i'm just like god this song is so good and i always remember the the chain of memories commercial for the game boy advance they opened with that song and i just loved hearing it on tv every time and it was just like the song is just so good and you know i put it on my uh my spotify playlist and i i had to keep just listening to it because it's just it's just so good like i feel like it would be an insult for me not to have utada on on my playlist of things that i love because all of their songs are just, oh, I love it. And and it's not even just them. It's Kingdom Hearts just has a really good soundtrack. Like each different games are all really good. And then just the, um, even the orchestra uh, pieces are just. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful. And I mean, this franchise itself, I think in general has my favorite soundtrack just in gaming. Um, love it. And this is coming from a guy who's a huge Zelda fan and loves a lot of the renditions of the Zelda music. Um, it's, I don't know, it's just iconic, and I love listening to any song. It's like, there's just not a bad one, um, whether it be Utada or not Utada. So. Have any of you guys gone to the Kingdom Heart orchestras? I have not, and I've always wanted to do it. I, have you only went to the one for Kingdom Hearts 3. I didn't get to go to First Breath or World Tour, but I did absolutely go to World of Trice. And I am, it was in Orlando at the Disney Theater. And my sister lives in Orlando and works at Disney. And it's something we've shared together. So as part of like a birthday present to her when we went, I got her ticket and we made that a thing that she and I did together. And was it just as wonderful in person? Yes, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. And, you know, because it was like a formal event, right? So everyone had like these really nice formal variations of cosplays of characters. We yeah. saw someone who was cosplaying as Aqua with like a just a gorgeous evening gown. I had like a very pink and black Kyrie-esque like looking aesthetic dress. And then my sister was wearing all black and like had her hair real short like Shion. And it was just, it was beautiful. It was very respectful. A lot of the people from the um, Orlando Orchestra that was playing there, uh, I'm pretty sure some of them were even like uh, senior high school students and then early university students. Um, and it was just, it was a very respectful, uh, beautiful and fun event. Uh, almost. Like there wasn't anything special done other than the fact that it was an orchestra, but it was... Just very nice. I would love to go. I, I went to the Final Fantasy. I went to Distant Worlds and it, same situation. It was very formal cosplayers dressed up in like nice versions. Um, and it was so beautiful. And I would just love to go to the Kingdom Hearts one because Kingdom Hearts music is like we were saying, it's just absolutely amazing. And I don't think they have one bad song on there. There's not. You can't. There's not. There's not a single bad song. That right. Even if they're saying that a song is bad, they're lying. 
it's not right it's not true no right um yeah i hope i can go to one someday i have not been a a video game orchestra yet but i need to go like i'm dying to go to one i just i gotta make the you should go to the zelda one i need to go to the zelda one i have always wanted to go to the zelda symphony like that has been a dream for probably the last 15 years of mine and i need to just do it Um, they're fun yeah i everyone who comes out of them said the most incredible experience to listen to these uh, orchestras live. I was like, dang it. I was like, I need to buy plane tickets and everything like now. <laughs> uh, Cause I know they're not coming to Arkansas. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. You'd be surprised because distant worlds came to Nebraska. <laughs> I'm really impressed by that. But then again, we are growing a lot though. We're mentions where I live and we do have a big amphitheater now. So I guess anything's possible. And with that, we are uh, we are. Um, there is so much more we could have covered um, with Kingdom Hearts, but sadly, time constraints kept us from doing it. There were tons of jokes of Donald letting us down over the years, um, and all other making fun of clown shoes and zippers, and many other beautiful memories of convoluted plots that we could have talked about. But um, we don't have that much. But before we go, we'd like to uh, a quick to uh, Gilbert Gottfried who uh, sadly passed away today, who um, he was the voice of Iago in Aladdin, and he had reprised his role uh, with of Iago in uh, the original Kingdom Hearts game. So uh, rest in peace, Gilbert. Uh, you will be missed. And uh, not only Disney fans, Kingdom Hearts fans, and fans of your comedy alike uh, have lost uh, a really great uh, person today. So uh, rest in peace, Gilbert. Um, and I'd just like to uh, thank... Tetsuya Nomura for being able to uh, partner with Disney and years of this uh, franchise and 20 years of wonderful memories, laughs, cries, and apparently uh, Lady Rain finding the love of her life. So thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, we're expecting you to send her a, a wedding gift or some type of card eventually. In the- <laughs> yeah. Um, he uh, owes it to you. The, uh, yeah, the impact that you've had on her life. So uh <laughs> No more if you ever uh, see this podcast. Man, it'd be a freaking miracle if you did. Um, yeah, go ahead and uh, maybe uh, give uh, Lady Rain a shout out. And thank you so much for coming on and talking about Kingdom Hearts with us, Rain. We really enjoyed having you on here. And I love talking Kingdom Hearts with you any time of the day. Yeah, it was no. a blast. Like, <laughs> love to do it again, for sure. No, thank you so much. I, I told Connor whenever you sent me the message, and I was like, I'm gonna cry. They're so sweet. I'm so excited. <laughs> you are, in my mind, the Kingdom Hearts queen on She's Twitter, the queen of hearts, so. Kayla. The queen yes. of hearts. <laughs> my daughter is the... Alice. <laughs> Look, see? It's perfect. Well, anyways, we really appreciate it, and we hope to have you on again soon. Yes, uh, that would be fun. Thank you. It was very fun. And uh, if you'd like to uh, chat with Lady Rain on the timeline, get to know her more, want to follow somebody that uh, is also a big fan of Kingdom Hearts and also streams Kingdom Hearts-related content, um, you can find Lady Rain on Twitter. Her handle is at Lady underscore Rain, and Rain is spelled R A H. N E and subsequently if you'd like to uh follow her on Twitch and watch her uh Kingdom Hearts streams you can find her on Twitch 
where she is just known as Lady Rain, no underscore. So that wraps up episode two. You can find us on other platforms like Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, and Stitcher. You can also find us on Twitter at geekly underscore podcast. Be sure to tune in to episode three, Building Memories with Legos. That will just be Brad and I. We don't have a special guest host or anything, but it should be really fun, especially if you enjoy Legos. And that will be dropping on April 21st. So we hope to see you guys then. Bye. Bye.